Good morning, BlackRock. I am so excited to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us. And I'm excited because we are in the second week of the moral of the story. And we're just looking at the parables of Jesus and how they relate to our lives. And so uh, I hope you're ready to dive into scripture, to dive into what Jesus taught us. And, and to begin this morning, I want you to think about, have you ever lost something? What is it that, that you have lost? For me, I lose things all the time. I don't know what that says about my personality or about what is going on in my brain, but I lose things. And, and here's some typical things that, that we might lose. How about the coin? A coin, and you know, that's probably the most popular thing that people would say that they lose. Now, I, I went on Google this week and I said, what is it like, what's the percentage of people picking up a coin? And I, I was shocked and then it made sense. Do you realize that only 6% of people would pick up a dime? 6%. And it, it, this is before COVID. Like if we did that now, it's probably zero. A quarter is only 14% of people would even pick up a lost quarter. What was shocking for me was, 56% of people would pick up a penny. I was like, what the heck? And then I remembered, you know what? They want some good luck in their life. And so we lose coins. You know, for me, I lose my keys all the time. I actually, I'm one of those that I have like this tile that helps me when I lose my keys. I probably lose them once a week. I go on my phone, activate my tile, and I can figure out where my keys have gone. Now I'm going to throw these on the ground and then I'll probably lose them later and have to use that. You know, the, another thing I've lost is my baseball mitt. Now for you, if you, you're seeing this baseball mitt, you're saying, Jeremy, that thing is a piece of junk. It is falling apart. My kids would actually agree with you. For Father's Day, they told me they wanted to get me a new baseball mitt. You know, for me, this is like my prized possession. I've had th this thing since high school. This thing fits so well to my hand, I can catch anything with this glove. If I ever lost this, and I have lost it twice, I'm going back, I'm gonna find where I lost that mitt because this is a prized possession for me. Now, the last thing I want I want you to think about is, have you, if you're a parent, have you ever lost for just a moment, your child. You know, for me, we lost our daughter, Paige. And you know where we lost her? Here at church. Sunday morning, she's two years old. She's in the kid's cove. We're talking and all of a sudden we look up and she's gone. And that you get that fear inside of you. Where has my daughter gone? And so we start running around, looking around, looking in classrooms, she had walked out into the Welcome Center and just was looking around and she's all there. And for me, that dread of losing my daughter just for a moment. So this morning, we're looking at this parable and we're gonna look at the parable of the lost sheep. And I just wanna challenge you to see how this relates to your own life. And when we think about a parable, I was talking to my kids last night about this sermon and I asked my son, Chad, Chad, what is a parable? And he, he went to me, he said, dad, it's a story that teaches me something. And that's simply what a parable is. It's something that Jesus said that, that a story 
that teaches us something that has a deeper meaning. Rob did a great job last week of letting us know that one third of all the things that Jesus taught were taught as a parable. And so this morning, I want us to dive into one of these parables. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Are we a rejoicing church? Are we a rejoicing church? And the reason why I want to ask you that question is we are in the midst of a pandemic and there are things happening in our country that, that make it where I think our joy and our rejoicing sometimes gets diminished to the point where it's not there at all in our life. And as I was studying this scripture uh, these last few weeks in preparation, God put it on my heart to, to specifically kind of hone in on this one idea of rejoicing. And so if you have your Bibles, your devices at home, if you're on the couch, if you're cleaning your dishes, if you're whatever you're doing at this moment, take a moment, look at this scripture with me. It's Luke 15, and it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go out after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends, his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. As we dive into this scripture this morning, what I love about parables is we can put ourselves in the shoes of the different characters. So I want you this morning to think through if you were the shepherd, if you were the, the Pharisee or what they would call the, the sinner sitting around Jesus, or if you were the sheep, how would you feel? What would your reactions be as we go through this scripture? And so we, we first see now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Now, they didn't have to social distance. They didn't have to wear a mask or anything like that. They were gathered around to hear the teacher to hear what he had to say to them. And he, what I love about Jesus was that he attracted people who would ordinarily not be together. The sinner, the Pharisee, they were together to hear what he had to say. And what is so crazy is though, is these are the words of the Pharisees. The Pharisees who were supposed to be the closest uh, kind of religious leaders to following what the word of God said and here's what they were thinking at this moment. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Look at their attitude. They literally muttered out loud that Jesus heard them. And that made everyone else around heard them he, he, say that. Call them out and say, how is Jesus eating and, and welcoming these sinners? It wasn't a praise that, wow, Jesus, we want to follow your example. It was almost like, how dare you even interact with them? 
And Jesus responds. And I love Jesus' response because for him, he doesn't go after them. He says, here's the correct way to think. And Jesus tells him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. And then he responds with a question. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He leaves 99 in the open country. It's not like he put them into safety. He goes after, it says. I imagine this shepherd running, going, I need to find this sheep. I need to find this lost one. And he says, until he finds it. Because the shepherd realized that if I don't find this sheep, this sheep will be killed. This sheep cannot survive on its own. And so the shepherd goes out and goes to whatever lengths it need, he needs to go to find that lost sheep. There's a passion, there's a a love for that sheep because he wants to find it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder, shoulders and goes home. He joyfully, you know, if my sheep, if I was that shepherd and I found that sheep, I would go and I would find that sheep and I would drag it back. I would be yelling at that sheep, why did, you go, why did you go away? You've cost me time and energy. I could have been at home watching Netflix and I have to go look for you. Instead, Jesus says, this shepherd sacrifices. You know, for me, I looked up, how much does a sheep actually weigh? This was not a lamb. This was a sheep. You know, sheep could weigh up to 125 pounds, 125 pounds, I'm going to joyfully put that sheep on my shoulders and I'm going to walk. I'm going to sacrifice for that sheep because I love it so much because I'm overjoyed that I found it. You know, in Isaiah 40, 11, it says this. It says this about God when, when Isaiah says, I want you to think of God as a shepherd. He says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I love that idea that Isaiah says that, that he gathers his lambs in his arms and that he, he carries them close to his heart. Church, this morning, realize that God wants a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. He's there for you. He loves you. If maybe you've thought of God in different ways this morning, think of God as your shepherd, the one that will go to whatever lengths to find you when you're wandering because he's so desperately in love with you. He wants that relationship with you. And here's the crux of what we're talking about this morning. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. You know who you and I are? We're the, those friends and neighbors of Jesus. 
that he has found that lost sheep and he comes to us and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Not that lost sheep. Not that, that horrible sheep that went away. My, I, have lo- I have found my lost sheep. Jesus loves us. He wants a relationship with us and he's there for us. And I hope that this morning that you realize that Jesus is there for you, that he has saved you, that he has rescued you. And that's why I go back to this question right now. Are we a rejoicing church? Are you and I rejoicing? Verse seven, I tell you in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 1%. Jesus doesn't say it's one out of 10 or every other one. One out of 100. He says, this is how much I value the person that turns from their own wandering and finds me that I'm searching for them, that when I find them, when they turn to me, I am there. When they repent, the word repent means to turn away, to do a 180. So if I'm wandering from Jesus, I'm doing a 180. I'm going towards him. I'm running after him when we repent. Jesus is there for us. You know, we are the lost sheep. We are the ones who have repented and turned to him. But a lot of times we struggle with our response. Our response, I think a lot of times as we kind of live out our life, we forget what Jesus has done. And we become the muttering Pharisee who thinks more about ourselves than what Jesus has done. And what our calling is, is that we are rejoicing, that we are to go out and bring that message of hope and love to the world. So this morning, I have a couple things that I want to encourage us with when it comes to this question of, are we a rejoicing church? Why do we rejoice? First, we rejoice because I was found. You and I, we were lost. Maybe it was 50 years ago that you were lost, that you were without Jesus, or maybe it was last week and that you've given your life to Jesus last week. But at one time, if you were a Christ follower, you were lost. You were wandering all on your own going, I got this. I got my life under control in my own way. I don't need God. In that entire time, Jesus was pursuing us. He was looking for us wherever he could try to find us. In the field, by the river, in the cave, wherever we were at, he was pursuing us. He was going after us because he loves us that much. They would leave the 99 to pursue you, to pursue me. And when we remember that, It causes us to rejoice. It causes us to realize that the Savior has brought us and put us on his shoulders. Have you ever thought of, what is a picture of when you put a kid on your shoulders? What is it like? 
Here's a picture of my kids. Look at the three of them on my shoulders. Now, I'm really strong at, the, at, at this moment. I got three of my kids on my shoulders. Uh, we're, we're an acrobatic kind of family. But look at my daughter's face, the joy that she has. For you and I this morning, we have to be like little children, realizing that we are on Jesus' shoulders, that he saved us, that he's carrying us back to him, back to the neighbors and the friends where Jesus says, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep, my lost daughter, my lost son. That's you and I. And there's some of you this morning, you've been wandering. You're a student and you know what? For you, your parents have gone to church and dragged you there. But today is a day that you have an opportunity to say, you know what? This faith is my own. I realize I need Jesus. I need a relationship with him. Maybe your husband or a wife that, you know what, your spouse is coming to church, but you know what, you just go because you just want to be that good spouse. But you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. Today is that day. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to the good shepherd because he's searching for you. He wants to know you. He wants you to give your life to him. For you, it's as simple as saying these words. Jesus, I'm lost without you. I realize I am a sinner. I realize I am separated from you and that I've been wandering away from the plan that you have for me. But I realize, Jesus, that you died for me on the cross. And that when you died for me on the cross, it changed everything. That if I repent, that if I turn away from the way that I was wandering, I go after you, that if I go onto your shoulders, that you will forgive me of all of my sins and that you and I can walk together each and every day going forward, going after the plan that you have for me. I hope that some of you today make that choice to follow Jesus, to repent, to turn, and that together, our entire church celebrates with you, you making that decision. If that's you this morning, pray that prayer, confess it, and then tell someone, go to blackrock.org faith this morning and let us know. We'd love to get in touch with you and walk beside you, get you a Bible, help you on your journey of putting your faith and trust in Jesus. There's no better way to live your life than putting your faith and trust in Jesus this morning. You know, for all of us, let us remember that we were once lost, but now we are found. We also rejoice because, because others find Jesus. You see, the Christian life is not just about you and I living our life on our own, worrying about what is happening to me. What you and I are called to is to be that shepherd and to go after that one also. To leave the 99, to leave those that are the Christ followers that we have and to pursue 
and to go to wherever we need to go to so that our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, they get to hear about Jesus. On March 8th, I spoke about that. We talked about the Red Letter Challenge in the last few days of us going out and bringing that, that gospel, that good news to the world. We're a few months into this, into the COVID. My question for you this morning is, how are you doing bringing your story, the gospel, to your friends, your family? Or have you just been concerned about yourself and just trying to survive? There is so much more to our faith and our walk than just us. And I hope this morning that you will see, hey, I need to go after that lost sheep, the friend that needs to know about Jesus, my family member, that I'm going to go to whatever lengths I need to to bring them the gospel. This week, share with them your story. Go back to the Red Letter Challenge, those last few days of it. Reread those challenges that we had and say, I'm going to live this out today. And then lastly, we rejoice because the, because the world hears Jesus' name. Do you realize that there's 2 billion people in the world who have never heard the name Jesus? They've never heard that Jesus can be their savior. And you say, Jeremy, why, why do we rejoice that there's 2 billion people who have never heard that? Well, at BlackRock, we are so concerned for those 2 billion. You see, our missions budget, almost half of what you give to missions, to the faith promise, goes to reach those 2 billion people. As I step into the shoes of the missions pastor here at BlackRock, one of the reasons why I am so excited is I want to do more and more for us as a church to bring the gospel to those two billion, to the people who have never heard about Jesus. Because what, is, what a privilege it is, what an honor it is as we as a church, not just concerned about those who have heard the 99 righteous but we're worried about that one, that one lost person in Afghanistan, in Libya, in, Le in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Iraq, in Saudi Arabia, that we as a church were concerned for them. And we, give almost, we gave almost a, a half a million dollars last year to our global partners who are bringing the gospel to those who have never heard it. That excites me. That gets me rejoicing, joyful, because we are bringing the gospel to areas where people have never heard about Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we shared with you, the church, a video, a six-minute video of uh, Abu. And he is one of our local or our, our global partners and he, two years ago, came to our missions board and said, I have this idea. I want to train 30 people within uh, the Middle East to bring the gospel to their own communities. And so we gave him a grant, $25,000 each year for those three years to do that. 
I was able to be on a Zoom call with him three weeks ago and he shared one story that brought me great joy. He said, Jeremy, our work is going great. I had one pastor who we trained for a year. We sent him out. And one day he was called to someone's house. He was called to what what the community was calling the thief's house a mobster who would go around and he would steal. And he was known as a thief. And one day he was, someone put a curse on him and he couldn't even say any words. He was drooling. It was a curse on him. And he called this pastor who I was able to train because of what BlackRock did with supporting our ministry. And this pastor went over and prayed over him. And literally that curse left him. And the man gave his life to Jesus. Church, that is what we are doing. That is what is bringing me joy. Not just because I'm on on staff here, because I am praying. I am praying for our global partners. I am in that fight with them to bring the gospel. I am giving to our missions program, to our faith promise to say, I want to be a part of what is happening throughout the world with the 2 billion people that need to hear about Jesus. And then I get to hear stories like this and I get to rejoice. I get to say, I am a part of that. If you are not a part of praying, go to this website, brc.church slash I will pray. Sign up to be a prayer partner today. If you're not giving to missions, to what we're doing to, the, to bring uh, half a million dollars to bring the gospel to the, to the world, go and give a faith promise. Say, I'm going to commit to that because there's nothing better. So this morning, we rejoice because I was found. We rejoice because we get to bring Jesus to our friends. And we rejoice because we are a part of a work of bringing Jesus' name to two billion people who have never heard about it. Never heard about him and what it means to have a relationship with him. Church, I hope you are rejoicing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our part in bringing the gospel to the world because at one moment we were lost, but you found us. You searched for us and you put us on your shoulders and now we get to celebrate because we are your children. We have a plan and a purpose to bring the gospel to our friends and our family in the world. Lord, help us to be a rejoicing church this week. In your name, amen.